And we're live. Oh, oh. And I'm live too. You know, it's funny. I got sort of a, I told you about this. I got a Facebook message response. I consider that under the umbrella as an email for the Hacksaw podcast where he was kind of mad at us because we didn't like 1917. Oh yeah, shout out out to that guy. I I read the message and uh, I believe... It had something to do with uh, you. Why did, you guys didn't like 1917? Like as right after we released an episode, specifically like an hour-long episode, deep in full detail about exactly why we didn't like that movie. It was like <laughs> it's one of those like just read the title and then just send a message. Yeah, he's asking us about like David Fincher or something like that. Right. I don't. I don't. What, what do you have? We ever about? talked about David Fincher? In no, and I don't want to. I don't care. He's boring. Yeah, I mean, he's fine. There's nothing wrong with David Fincher. It's, I okay. generally like his work, but I we're not fanboys. Yeah, it's it's fine. You know. Yeah, David Fincher's doing something cool. Sure, because he doesn't do stuff very often. No. So whenever he does something like Mindhunter, or Mindhunter was sweet. Yeah, Minor was good. House of Cards was good. He's doing pretty well with TV that he's working on. Yeah, it seems like he found his own there. But yeah, it was funny. I mean, we got like a response just going, you know, and it, we appreciate the feedback. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, shout out to that guy. But I'm but, also not, but I, I'm sorry. Just I'm listen not... to the episode. <laughs> yeah, just listen to the episode. It's all there, man. <laughs> we talked about it pretty exhaustively. Like, I, I, not only that, but I've mentioned in multiple other, other episodes uh my disdain for 1917 like it's it's almost like a running gag where i i almost mentioned it every single episode yeah it was sort of a primordial uh inspiration for this whole thing that we're doing it's uh it's great though i love i love that that's uh, like those are the type of messages we get around here (laughs) like i i knew like that was going to be like some of the first messages we get is going to be something like that did you see the part where he linked to other YouTube reviewers and was, no, oh, I just saw the text that you sent me quoting his message. Oh, all right, he 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 uh, he wanted to keep going a bit further, and I I I entertained him. I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> what else you got, man? Yeah, and he's like, have you heard of this guy and this YouTube reviewer? These guys who have like I don't know, like a thousand subscribers on YouTube, and I'm like no he's like well they're really good this these guys are my favorite reviewers and they're much better film reviewers than you are and i said okay that's cool man (laughs) (laughs) also we're not really film reviewers no we we sometimes talk about movies and we're just dudes with with opinions this is just like an editorial podcast yeah this is just like an editorial thing where we just kind of we just kind of talk about you know, maybe we have some unpopular opinions about stuff. Yeah, that's what we're all about. We're all about unpopular opinions, but we can back them up. Well, it's just... it's just We're not just talking shit. Not only that, but it's just for the sake... It's, it's more so just for the sake of having another opinion. Mm-hmm. Anything else. Just existing in the ethos. Because when, when something just gets, like, nothing but praise all the way through and everybody just kind of like makes these huge leaps over obvious bullshit where they just kind of like just swerve out of the way of like literal garbage on fire in the middle of the road and just be like, it's fine. And just keep on driving. It's, it's just to have some sort of balance to, to the entire universe here. (laughs) Yeah. You know, 
have something on the other side of the scale. You know, it may not tip the scale. It may not even register, but it's there. Yeah. And I'm fine being that with single grain of sand. (laughs) (laughs) Well, without further ado, I say let's get the ball rolling on this because we got quite a bit to unpack here with one of the longest movies ever made. So, So yeah, welcome to the Hacksaw Podcast. I am Everett. And I'm Jordan. And today we're going to be talking about the Schneider Cut. Yes, we're talking about the Snyderific director's cut of Justice League. The four-hour-long opus. Man, it, it's, it's longer than most things. Yeah. I actually looked up some, famous, some famously long movies, right? Movies that were from the 20th century, the really long ones that had intermissions and all that. So... Here's a couple examples of movies that are shorter than the Snyder Cut of Justice League. One would be Gone with the Wind. Super long movie. Yeah, very famously long. It's, when it was on TV, it was like on TV for like, like eight hours. If you bought that on VHS, it'd be on like four VHS tapes. Oh, man. It'd be so <laughs> thick on your shelf. Gone with the Wind, The Bridge Over the River Kwai... Uh, 2001, A Space Odyssey. Lawrence of Arabia, The Irishman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's insane. And it's important because all of these movies were designed to be these long epics where you, you have this, this grand, grandiose opus story that just is too big to be contained in like a short, not short, but just like your normal runtime. And man, the Snyder Cut really needed editing. I think like, that's a- so it's like it's just a movie without editing. That's all it is. It's just it, it's it's because usually when a movie is filmed, it has like four hours or so of probably of of at least of material, right? At least, yeah. yeah. I'd say dozens of hours at least. But it's the editor's job to go in and cut out all the needless stuff, the stuff that doesn't really help the pacing of the film, doesn't really help the storytelling, doesn't really help develop the characters or. Any yeah, of the you, reasons why they're doing anything. You have this, the director sitting, you have that behind the scenes on the DVD of the director kind of sitting in the editing room, just holding his head in, like, in his hands, and the editor is just going off about how like none of these scenes fit together, and we have to cut all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that the term epic has been misconstrued a bit in recent years. It just years. means long now. Now it just means a really long movie. It used to be the case... For a film or a piece of fiction to be called epic, it wasn't just because it was long and had tons of characters and lots of things happening. It was more that they had a lot of really big ideas that they wanted to get across, and it takes quite a bit of time in order to do that, right? In a way that people could actually comprehend. So movies like Lawrence of Arabia or Seven Samurai or 2001... Yeah, there's a reason why those movies are really long, and it's because they got a lot to say. Whereas something like Justice League here, I don't really know what it's trying to say besides, you know, teamwork is great, and it's good to defeat the bad guys. It basically has a message that you could get out of any 20-minute long episode of Sesame Street or Power Rangers or Barney and Friends. Well, I think that's just indicative of what it is, which is it's a kid's movie. It's yeah. a kid's movie made by a child. With, right. <laughs> with some, it's a kids' movie made by a child with some sort of learning disability. 
He has like I don't know something about Zack Snyder. When you listen to him talk, he has like a like a like a nine year old's like and then cadence. Right. He's like and then it happened and then and then and then he talks like that. Like so, then there's this guy who comes out and he's really really strong. He's really big and strong, and then he fights all those guys, and then another guy comes out and he's even stronger. Yeah, he's really strong, and he punches him a lot. And then he punches him back, but he punches him more. So then he 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 destroys him. Yeah, and then and you saves have, the world. <laughs> then you have Jason Momoa, just like he's he's just he has such a vision for for he comes on set, he's like there, he's like on the set. Like when he's working on set, he's like on the set. And when he's like directing, he's like directing people. He's directing the movie. <laughs> it, it's just great, Jason. Thank you. Like, yeah, please, please Jason Momoa. You're great, but please, can you just have a protein bar and shut the fuck up? Because this is just, you don't need to be talking. I loved it when Jason Momoa said in the behind the scenes that he wants to be like Zack Snyder as this aspirational idea. Like, I want to be like him when I grow up. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> all of those, like those, all those making ofs in every single film are just, uh, like, they have to, they play it up, because you're selling it. It's it's not just, mm-hmm. like, a, it's not, like, a hard behind-the-scenes thing where they're showing, like, this the gritty, kind of realistic aspects of making a movie where you, you show all, it's nothing but the positive stuff. It's it's nothing but propaganda, really. Yeah, they do that for every movie. Every, every movie. Behind-the-scenes, even if it's just, like, this mediocre Middle of the road movie. Yeah, there's always like talking about visions and artistic integrity. It's all this stuff, and it's they're making like Saw Twelve. So when when we were filming uh, the film Chappaquiddick, we really had to go out of our way <laughs> to find the best director. So we chose this guy who directed I don't know Double Jeopardy and like some other schlock, and yeah, he really knew what to do. He really knew how to bring it. For this, it all uh, it all has the energy job. of like that that behind the scenes stuff you see in the movie theater before the movie starts. You know, it has like that kind of like every single thing that's coming out is the greatest thing ever. Yeah, you know, and it has to like that's just the kind of that's just that's just uh, marketing one on one base basic stuff where you just have to do that. And I understand, I get it, but nobody can sell to me that Zack Snyder is not a a ten year old with a learning disability. You know, this movie made me reflect on all of Zack Snyder's films. And I just had a moment, yeah, I just had a moment of reflection on all that because there were some movies he directed that I used to think were really good. The first movie I saw by him was, I think, his first major movie, which was the Dawn of the Dead remake. Yeah, uh, I actually think that Maybe in the mid two thousands or so, he had a couple of decent films. Mm-hmm. Like going back, if you try to watch three hundred again now, uh, it's not going to hold up. <laughs> no, but in two thousand and six, that was the shit. I saw that twice in theaters. I was like fifteen or sixteen. Um, that was amazing, you know, because you there wasn't that much out there like that. That the market hadn't been completely saturated with um slow motion gory stuff we were still kind of riding high off the matrix at that point like the matrix was still cool we also weren't overwhelmed with comic book movies either no at that point so seeing something come out that was supposed to be uh, a film representation of a graphic novel or a comic of some kind was kind of neat it wasn't something you saw all the time 
And that was really popular. The graphic novel stuff was popular at that time, too, because you had Sin City mm-hmm, at the mm-hmm. same time. And that movie was insane and, and was uh, really popular. And, and there was like this era where you could just kind of do stuff like that. And it totally worked. But going back to it now, yeah, no. Uh, I will say that the Dawn of the Dead, uh, Zack Snyder movie, the Dawn of the Dead 2003 or whatever like that. Came out in 2004. Four. Yeah. yeah. That one uh, still holds up. Well, I don't know. I watched it again recently. No, you don't think so? I haven't, well, I haven't watched it in like five years, but I remember the last time I watched it, I thought it was pretty good. Well, looking at it now as a 34-year-old, I <laughs> have some misgivings about it that didn't really, I didn't really notice when I was, you know, 17 when it came out. Because at the time this movie came out, we weren't as, we weren't as, oversaturated with zombie content yet that's true yeah it was one of the first like really full budget kind of zombie movies to come during that whole well we had a string of pretty good zombie movies for a while we had movies like 28 days later and uh 20 days later is awesome Shaun of the dead was great awesome and then the stone of the dead one where they introduced the novel concept of fast zombies yeah and okay Look, some well, 28 of the, Days Later was Fast Zombies, too. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. It all kind of ran together in the... Uh, but Fast Zombies so were terrifying. Yeah. They felt more threatening. Yeah. And they just felt like more of a thing you couldn't really fight back against as easily. But with Dawn of the Dead, the thing I realized watching it again is like, well, some of it still holds up. As far as the action and stuff goes, it's still pretty good in that regard. But... If you compare it to, say, the George Romero original from the 70s, which actually had a lot more to say about the world and had more of a cultural metaphor going on, all of that subtext is completely removed from Zack Snyder's film. Well, as as every single film he makes is. It's just super surface level. Yeah, he makes very, he makes shallow, I mean, he's just Michael Bay. That makes comic book movies. And what if instead of a cultural commentary about mass consumerism in the form of zombies, let's just have the zombies and make the film more of a thing about the reason why there are zombies and all this world going to hell is because there's too many gay people. (laughs) No, it's there's like a lot of really there's a lot of homophobia in it. Like, oh, there's like the, the the mall security guys who are like super like homophobic. There's like this there's a really drawn out scene where you watch like a, a preacher on TV. Talking well, there wasn't about, there wasn't really like there wasn't any social movement until like 2012. Yeah, that's true. You know, it, you up until about 2013, 2012, you could say you could do whatever you wanted to do. You could say you could you could do whatever you want. You could say whatever you want. Yeah, it's true. I feel like you weren't allowed to be trans until like, I don't know, two years ago. About two years ago <laughs> is when you could start being trans, yeah. And there's still a lot of work to do on that. Yeah. But what I'm saying is you look at movies like Dawn of the Dead and 300, which are sort of the the pinnacle of the Zack Snyder directing style. I'd say Sucker Punch is in there. Oh, too. Sucker Punch. Yeah. And Sucker Punch, I kind of enjoy on a certain level. It's just because... It's a director with absolutely no filter doing everything. I never saw it. Like, he couldn't decide which kind of movie he wanted to make, so he's just like, I'm just going to throw it all in there. It's very odd, because this movie's set in the early 20th century, 
and yet there's songs by Bjork playing on the part of the soundtrack. It's modern sounding songs yeah with like electronic instrumentation oh yeah well you know you're not they gonna... put on a record yeah and it's bjork <laughs> a song from 1995 <laughs> and they're dancing to it go off you fucking got him man <laughs> you fucking got him i it's anachronistic and checkmate zach <laughs> yeah checkmate <laughs> yeah right <laughs> Well, getting back into Justice League here, uh, the first thing I want to talk about, just to get it out of the way, uh, is just the technical aspect of it. Sure, I think we could start with that. Just just the the presentation, the immediate thing that you Mm -hmm. notice, the first thing you notice when the movie starts. And honestly, I was going into this pretty optimistic for the most part, because I I had totally abstained from all superhero stuff. I haven't seen a superhero movie since like the first Thor movie. Okay. Maybe, maybe, I think I saw one of the Iron Mans, and I saw one of the X-Men movies, the one directed by the the, the child rapist. <laughs> Brian Singer? Yeah. Yeah. And then um, I saw Logan. And Logan was pretty, was okay. Logan's fairly recent. That came out like a few years ago. Yeah, I saw that one. And, uh, but other than that, like nothing. I, I have nothing. I did not see any of the previous Justice League, any of that kind of stuff. I didn't think I needed to because it's like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. There's going to be some fucking branching story that I'm not going to understand going into this. Like, please give me a fucking break. I asked Tom, our good buddy Tom, the other day. I was like, what do I watch to like understand the whole like Mar- not DC because this is a DC thing, but like the whole Marvel thing. Like, what do I have to watch to like start the whole storyline to start the whole like first movie up until, like, I guess, Avengers or whatever. And he said the first Iron Man movie, which I think came out in, like, 2009. Yeah, I want to say 2008. Yeah, so I was, like, immediately, I was, like, oh, fuck that then. (laughs) You got, like, 30 movies you got to watch. No, absolutely not. You fucking kidding me? I'm going to watch 30 children's movies. You got to watch Doctor Strange. You got to watch all the Iron Mans. You got to watch all the guardians of the galaxy you got to watch uh, just everything and yeah all the all the captain americas i the guardians of the galaxy is part of it part of the mcu yeah really yeah all that's oh what, my god all that's part of it the last superhero movie i saw before this one was the last avengers movie which came out in 2019 it was like the avengers enders game or the end game or <laughs> game, game over or whatever <laughs> <laughs> and i walked out of that movie going like all right, we're done with these movies now. That's the last one. Yeah. Right? The Is that the one where everybody dies? Story's over. That's Infinity War. Oh, okay. Because uh, I heard about that, and I was like, cool. <laughs> and then the third one, it's... See, that's the thing about these movies is... Well, we'll get to that later. We'll get to that later. Yeah, I want to keep us on, top, on topic here. So, yeah, the technical aspects. Let's... Let's get into that. So the Let's original, talk about that square aspect. So ratio. the original theatrical release, the original Josh Whedon release of uh, Justice League was a normal aspect ratio. Another sexual predator. Uh, yeah, true, true. Yeah, I, I think they all are. I'm just going to assume they all are. Uh, I think that's safer. Mm-hmm. But um, so uh, Josh, proven sexual predator, Whedon, Whedon his, his movie, um, was a normal aspect ratio, normal like framed normally like a theater release it fits your whole fucking screen essentially yeah if there's one way i'd describe the way that movie looks it's 
normal. It's a normal aspect ratio. <laughs> but Zack Snyder uh, went by with a four by three for this, for his cut. And essentially, it's like an IMAX mm-hmm. resolution. And so the only thing that's different is that it looks like a game that you're loading on your PC from 2006. Yeah. It's like all cut up. Full motion video. It's like a full motion video situation. And every single scene has like 10 feet of headroom above the characters. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was so fucking annoying because you look at the Josh Whedon cut and it's just framed right. Like it's centered, it's framed. There's no negative space. It's just everything, every piece of information you need is in the screen, in the shot and it's fine. It's like now it's like you look at uh, Zack Snyder's cut and there's just this giant amount of headroom above above Henry Cavill's head. Mm-hmm. Like there's just like 10 feet of nothingness above his head. And he's yeah. like further out. It's like it's like zoomed out kind of. So we can make the frame appear taller that way because we have these big Ubermenschian characters that need to fill up that space. But all it did for me was go make me go, I, what hap- what's, what's going on with the rest of the frame here yeah i want it to fill up my tv uh, you yeah exactly because what's the point of these movies these movies are not these like super smart epic you know uh it's not the lighthouse yeah you know it's like <laughs> it's not the fucking lighthouse that like artistically chose that sp- specific type of aspect ratio to emulate older movies or like old like you know 1930s maybe style Yeah, films. it was going for that old style 1930s kind of horror movie very like Edgar yeah. Allan Poe but it, influence. But that, that worked cuz it, it it totally worked and like was part of the film and it, it made sense and I really liked it. Well, cuz they actually had to for the lighthouse they actually designed all the set around that idea. Yeah. Cuz they actually had to build that lighthouse so that when they shot it in that aspect ratio it would fit in the frame. It would fit in the frame. <laughs> so they didn't just do it on a whim. They didn't just go like Zack Snyder and go do like, it I think post. IMAX is really cool, guys. It's cool because it's really big. Yeah. And I like things that big. And Christopher Nolan's really cool and he likes IMAX too. He was actually a, a producer on this film. Yeah, so that that should be your first red flag is that Christopher Nolan is basically Zack Snyder's mentor. And that is not okay. <laughs> that is not okay. Mentor. They're like the same age. It's I don't know. Like I guess, but it's just it just seems like he looks up to him in a weird way, or like he takes cues from him. And then besides the aspect ratio, the film just doesn't look very good. It's very monochromatic. Oh, it looks like shit. And it's super grainy. It looks like it has like four or five Instagram filters. We watched over it, it on a four K TV. It's really shitty. It, you can't. It, it's like, and it's not like your internet was bad where it could. It no, couldn't. We get checked. The signal. We checked. Yeah, <laughs> I checked. <laughs> I we tried sure. everything. We tried I adjusting like, the settings. I was like, why and... does this look like it's in like 480p? Like it just looks bad. Like nothing is sharp. Like it just just kind of stutters a bit. There's just nothing really like popping out here. Like there's no emphasis on any sort of like part of the shots. Like any shot. There's no emphasis on anything color wise. Or in terms of perspective, it's all just like one flat grain shade of blue or gray. And it, I mean, I guess it kind of looks like the Batman vs. Superman movie. A little, a little bit, bit, yeah. It did, it did it look has, very similar to that. It's just like, True. oh, we're DC, so this is, this is, we're doing the dark one. Yeah. This is the dark one. The movie made me think about the, it's sort of a trope with uh, digital artists, which is that they do uh, a painting or something in Photoshop or whichever software they're using. And they're like, huh, all right, the painting's done. What's missing? 
Oh, I'm just going to add a noise filter over. Yeah, it's a noise, just a brush add some over the whole thing. specks and dust and crap. Make it look more like a real painting that way. And I feel like that's what was going on here. They had like a just a film grain filter on top of another grain, different type of grain filter. Well, it's, it's just one of those things where you could totally tell when you're trying to emulate something analog. Yeah. When you're trying to emulate you know, the, the tiny flaws that you get from shooting in like 77, 70 millimeter. Yeah. You know, it's like you get, you get these little flaws that kind of give the film a little bit of character and it's kind of cool. And when you try to just use that, like, uh, digitally, you try to add that in post, you could totally tell it's like, Oh great. They put this whole movie into like iMovie <laughs> and fucking just put a bunch of filters over it. It looks like shit. Yeah. And iMovie is what I use to edit our, <laughs> our videos. <laughs> As you should. So so let's get into the actual film itself right. here. And let's talk about the story. And what's interesting here is Everett and I are coming at this in two different ways in that I actually saw the full Joss Whedon version of this movie a few years ago. And now I'm watching the actual Snyder Cut, whereas you haven't seen the original one. Not really. No, I've just been watching Sopranos. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. I just watched Sopranos. So you come at this and you instantly want to um, compare everything. But if you have nothing really to compare it to... That's you, why I was optimistic about it. You just it. have to look at it on its own. Because I hadn't seen... I wasn't, like, totally played out from superhero stuff because I hadn't really seen any of it. So the way I was trying to have, like, a silver lining coming into this, uh, being as, like, look, I haven't seen a bunch of superhero stuff. Maybe this will be good, you know? Maybe I won't be, like, jaded at all. Mm-hmm. So when the movie started, I had to kind of sum up a little bit of it for for Everett because the movie starts and you're like Jordan what the hell's going on and <laughs> I said, well uh Superman's dead and everybody misses him and all the other heroes are sort of fractured and off doing their own thing and that sets the stage for our villain Steppenwolf to come onto the scene and start doing his thing and that's pretty much it all the 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 ball just gets rolling Great, from there. Great, so yeah, all all 30 movies summed up. So if you haven't seen Wonder Woman, if you haven't seen Aquaman, it, I mean, it probably helps if you've seen those before watching well, this. Well, I mean, but, it, it doesn't you know. help the story. It would just it just helps the, like, you know, oh, we get to see these characters doing more stuff. Well, you kind of know where they came from, at least a little bit. First of all, Ben Affleck, worst Batman. <laughs> worst fucking Batman. I think even he thinks he's the worst Batman. He doesn't even want to be there. He looks so tired. He hates it. Schlubby. You know, I don't really dislike Ben Affleck that much. Really. I mean, eh, he's I, all right. I, I, he's fine. There's there's I, there's plenty of movies of his that I like. But it's you, when you cast somebody, you should probably make sure that they actually want to do the role. Yeah. I feel like with some characters in this, I can at least tell that they are passionate about portray portraying this character. Like, I feel like Henry Cavill, he wants to be Superman. Well, he ca Henry Cavill is like, he's just a go-getter. Uh, yeah. And Pretty I much like anything he's a part of, he tries his best. And I like him a lot. He's really good in the Witcher series. He's a very likable dude. Like, I actually watched a video with Henry Cavill the other day. It was like from a year or two ago when... He was attending Comic-Con, but he was kind of in disguise a little bit, just as a regular attendee. And then uh, 
people didn't really know who he was, and yeah, he just kind of revealed himself to people. Insanely ripped dude, just walking around Comic Con, the only guy in shape. Like he went up to uh, <laughs> he went up uh, he went up to Will Smith and just like shook his hand, just like but just like pretending to be a fan. And he's like, "Oh, by the way, like um, we're doing these movies together." And he's like, "Oh shit." <laughs> Like, oh, yeah, you're right. That's you. Oh, okay. Ha ha. I gotcha. Um, but yeah, I feel like he fits the role well. I think uh, Jason Momoa is probably my favorite out of all of them. I mean, he really actually does make sense for that role. Like, he really does kind of embody sort of how I would see the like a modern fucking jacked Aquaman. It's the only way you can make Aquaman kind of cool. He's like this. Aquaman yeah. sucks. Inherently, he's like one of the worst superheroes. He's like this Guinness chugging tattooed polynesian surf bro yeah which is weird uh, yeah he he totally fits in in this like icelandic village that he's hanging out in and i feel like as much as she sucks at acting gal gadot looks the part really well with oh no she wonder looks woman. good as wonder woman she can't act to save her fucking life like you could you couldn't put a gun to her head to make her act oh yeah it's she's so bad She's so, so fucking bad. Like, I don't know, like, you know, what strings the IDF pulled to get her that role, but, but goddamn, like, hats off, because she knows somebody. Well, that's why she's not really in other movies besides these. I think it was probably primarily because uh, Zack Snyder and Josh Whedon, they're such shallow people that, um, you know, all that really matters is the look of everything. Mm-hmm. And the effects, like nothing really matters about like character work or script or acting ability, like none of that stuff. They kind of lucked out getting Henry Cavill. Uh, he's just, like I said before, he's just kind of a go-getter. He does do a great Superman. I do like him as Superman. I think it's fantastic. But the rest of them are just like, oh, we just need to kind of get them to look like they belong in there. And that's about all we need to do. Well, that's the Snyder storytelling method, which is that he doesn't really care about anything really behind them, or at least anything meaningful story-wise. He just simply focuses on the characters he thinks are cool, and he shows them being awesome all the time in these like glorifying poses and right. shots and angles. It's like fan service. He's all about fan service. Yeah, and that's all he really knows what to do with them. And same thing with the villains. Like some people, something people were talking about with this, uh, with the Snyder cut versus the Whedon cut is our main guy, the born to be wild Steppenwolf, was just a bad dude. He was just like a guy in the Whedon cut. And then this one, he actually has at least some formulas of a character motivation, which is that he's this subservient being, uh, under this other guy named Darkseed or Darkseid. I actually like the villainy in this. Yeah, I liked the villainy. It made no sense why they were doing what they were doing. I mean, none of their stuff they did made any fucking sense. But I liked the characters quite a bit. So, yeah. So, but it's just kind of funny because it's like, so what's his motivation now? Oh, it's like he's trying to get under this, uh, under the rule of this or over the, he's trying to get under like serving this dark side character. Okay. And what's the deal with dark side? Oh, he's just evil. He's, yeah, he he's just, just a bad dude. He just, <laughs> Apparently destroys hundreds of thousands of worlds for like no fucking reason, mm-hmm. just cause cause. That's like the that's uh, one of my least favorite like villain tropes is that there are just these villains out there that just oh you know they just want to 
they just want to blow shit up. They just they just kill indiscriminately and like you know I'm the Joker, baby. Like <laughs> fucking ah, anarchy. Ah. It's yeah. like that's the, it's like oh because that's the scariest one of all. Like the Joker was such a great villain because no matter what you did, he he wasn't after money or he wasn't after you know fame or anything. He was just trying to cause problems. He was just trying to cause anarchy and and stuff. Just be a troll and. Everybody thought like, oh, that that's like the perfect villain because it's even scarier. Like, how do you defeat that? You can't. Like, you can't do anything about that. He'll just keep coming. A lot of the motivation for the general villainy outside of those the the main villains is all very vague. Like one of the opening action sequences in this movie just involves a bunch of a bunch of terrorist guys just going oh, into a building and the first like holding a bunch of kids scene, hostage. The first superhero scene we get with uh, Wonder Woman was actually started off pretty good. I actually quite liked the the way like the the movement, like Wonder Woman's movement and the way she kind of deposed all these guys and I thought it was kind of badass the whole like the arm shields and stuff like that that all that stuff perfect, fine. Yeah, very superhero-y, very uh very on on brand. Mm-hmm. And uh you know, I thought that was fine. It was it wasn't just until the very end where Okay, two things. Number one, the motivation... Just two things, real quick. Number one, the motivation of those fucking terrorists is so stupid. It makes... <laughs> yeah. We're gonna blow up... They, they're talking about how they're gonna change the world by by blowing everybody up, but then they say they're only gonna blow up, like, a four city blocks. Right. Okay, so, all right. So you're just gonna cause traffic then for the next... You're gonna, you're gonna make the news, you're gonna cause traffic for a month while they clean it up and rebuild the buildings Mm -hmm. okay so that's a dumb plan number two (laughs) the bomb they have is like not even like this crazy super villain bomb that's gonna make this huge explosion it's just like a piece of like c4 yeah so it's like the most least threatening looking thing ever it just looked like just like your standard c4 bomb that's connected to a timer it looked like the bomb in the briefcase from like face off yeah, and then Same there's idea. one. There's uh, Wonder Woman like takes care of all the henchmen, and then like the main guy is left, and he's just standing there. She has no problem fucking kung fuing down all these other guys, but then instead of just like taking this guy down, she uses her fucking mega kamehameha blast thing that she does, and she blows up the entire fucking floor. Of the like, basically, she does exactly the same amount of damage as a bomb like that would have done. Yeah, so you're kind of wondering. Well, and you kind of think, I'm like, is that why, on purpose? Well, is that supposed to be funny? I think it was just because Zack Snyder thinks you know explosions are cool. I mean, it was so. cool. Like that's fine. The scene was fine. It just it was when the characters when you lose motivation between uh, behind a character, it doesn't make any sense. And this is a problem with a lot of superhero movies and a lot of like big fight movies like uh Kong versus Godzilla and stuff like that is that when you just have like sort of indiscriminate destruction it just kind of takes away from the whole like oh we should stop these guys or else they're going to destroy things but mm-hmm. we got to do it by destroying things like what the fuck is the point this is a common thing in uh the other Snyder directed movies in this like, it, DC universe didn't the Superman movie didn't he just like kill a whole city yeah, that like, happened in the the climax of Man of Steel. Yeah, had him fighting these Zod guys, and they're just 
There's so much collateral damage. They're destroying. They're just, just it, they're thousands just of people punching dying. buildings through. They're just flying through them and knocking them over. And it's like, yeah, for beings as powerful as this, it's like that's likely to happen. But it made me think of the they could Superman just could have done like the Goku thing on Dragon Ball Z, like, hey Frieza or hey whoever. Like, there's lots of innocent people around here. Let's go fight somewhere else. Yeah, we can't they, they go them. out. They go out into that desert. Your place score to with settle is with me. Yeah, yeah. Goku takes them out into the desert place with all the cliffs. Let's go to these places that are easier for they the go, background artist to paint. Yeah, they go to places that are easier to paint. They go to like a mountain or something, and it's just a single mountain in the background. Or they go to that like grassy field that goes on forever, <laughs> or they go to Namek where there's like no change in the terrain for the entire planet. The entire planet is like the Flintstones essentially. Yeah, we just need to paint the background green. Yeah, it's just it. it's just the world, but it's just Earth but green, <laughs> and it has like truffle trees on it. They end up finding out that Earth is a place where Darkseid was defeated once before. Oh, right. And that's why Earth becomes this kind of special place that, you know, they have to defend or they have to, you know, it becomes this sort of like special focal point for the, the villain. And I think that's so funny because he just kind of forgot that that happened. Yeah. Like, like Darkseid, this being who's killed 100,000 worlds without any problem whatsoever. He's going around the universe just fucking one-shotting all these fucking people. And... There's this one planet where he gets defeated on and he vows revenge on the planet. It's this, it's this ultimate thorn in his side. It's this ultimate black mark on his legacy that he was defeated here. And then he just kind of forgets about it. Right. Well, we're, we're treated to a, a very long flashback sequence that goes into this whole backstory, which is not in the Whedon cut, by the way. We're just supposed to kind of go with it in that one. And in this one, yeah, there's this long that's, sequence that's very awkwardly narrated by gal gadot that yeah that was so painful like if many thousands of years ago there was a uh, alliance between hercules and the greek gods and also the mongolians and also the pirates and also the amazonians and, and the also, denver broncos were there too yeah and so were the Marklar and all the guys. Yeah, they were, they were all there and they fought, they fought the man and the man, he died. <laughs> and you're just watching this and it looks like a video game cutscene. It looks like a like cutscene. From like Mortal Kombat 9. From like Command and Conquer or something yeah. like that. Like from like Red Alert 3. I just love how it's played completely straight. There's zero sense of humor to it. I love how the all. scene is like 10 minutes long and the whole time like Batman is supposedly just standing there. Yeah, <laughs> like he's just standing there, not saying anything. <laughs> just, just eyes. His Ben Affleck's eyes are just rolling back in his head. He's yeah. glazed over. <laughs> so after that's done, he's like, "Okay, we gotta get all the mother boxes." That's the that's the MacGuffin of this movie. Yeah, the MacGuffin is that uh, apparently the, what they use to destroy the worlds are like these these boxes that when they come together, they just kind of nuke the whole place. What's called they form what's called the unity. Why can't they just like get don't they have like a giant ship that they can just like shoot the planet from? Don't they just have like a giant sniper rifle on the moon or something? Yeah, I mean like it like just a Gundam. It just doesn't make any sense why I mean they got is that what they have to do for every single world? They have to come down and like do the mother box thing and destroy it? Yeah, they they you know, they got to do Why the can't thing. they just fucking shoot it? Uh, cuz it's just <laughs> that's not 
how you fulfill the prophecy. It's like, why don't we just go back in time and shoot Austin Powers when he's taking a shit or something? Because they want to do it a certain way. <laughs> they don't want to destroy the planet. It's got to be a certain way. They, they, they have to do it in a particular way where they don't want to like kill everyone. They want to turn everyone into slaves. That's what uh, the unity is supposed to do. Okay. It's supposed to make them all like sort of... It, turn, it turns them into the fucking flying monkey creatures. They make them, yeah, the parademons or yeah. whatever they're called. Yeah, they they become these sort of zombie like servants. Oh yeah, okay. Which would be more useful than just killing everything. True. So at least that's what I gather. Okay. So they got so there's sort of this race going on between Steppenwolf and his minions getting the mother boxes and the heroes getting them too or protecting yeah, them. Collecting the Dragon Balls. Who can get them first? Yeah, it, it's that same general plot device i love how uh i mean we're kind of jumping around here but i just wanted to quickly say like i love how uh steppenwolf decides to make his base on on earth in this giant kind of old reactor oh the chernobyl place the chernobyl place and like his base is like this giant city size it has this like giant shield dome around it this glowing massive like size of a city dome around it and like there's a whole subplot I guess, like, the main... There's a whole plot in the movie where the Justice League is trying to find his base. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't know where it is. And nobody just says, hey, what the fuck is that giant, like, tumor sticking out of the side of the planet that's so fucking big you can probably see it from space? Yeah. Like, they can't, like... <laughs> no one will find this place unless they look for it a unless little bit. Unless they, like, just, like, look over there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, just... it's the same thing with the mother boxes. Yeah. They weren't hidden all that well. No, like, everybody had one. Yeah. They just, they couldn't, they didn't have to, like, do, like, an, I was expecting some kind of, uh, like, Uncharted Indiana Jones type scene where they had to, like, go into these, like, old ruins or something, and yeah, had, got... there had to be, like, some... Ad- adventure aspects where they had to go into like these ruins and like it would be down there at the bottom of this like 10,000 year old temple and there would be I mean I don't know I thought that'd be kind of cool but no everybody just kind of just happened to have one yeah they'd have to solve some sort of puzzle or something like that yeah to actually find it But like cyborg who is like probably like the most like useless character (laughs) he has nothing to do he's supposed to be the main character of this he has nothing to do he's supposed to be key to all of this as george lucas would say Uh, he is a funnier character than we've had before (laughs) that'd be the flash but uh (laughs) but in the whedon cut he's removed almost entirely like he's in the movie but you don't really know why the only like they had to give him a mother box to have just so he would have something to do yeah you know and then like for some weird reason he could just hack into stuff like i guess the mother box created him Mm -hmm. is that what it was so his father after his son was pretty much dying from a, a a car accident his father who's like this really brilliant scientist created turned him into a, a machine man into a, a terminator pretty much and you thought oh he built this cyborg body for him and it's like no the he just opened the mother box and the mother box just kind of did its thing it, and that's it's, it. it's kind of weird because and that just happened it's kind of weird because like none of the minions that the steppenwolf guy has like they don't look like that like they look completely different they look like weird bug creatures like, why does he look like a cyborg thing? And then there's the other guys that were turned into shit by the mother box look like bug creatures. 
Yeah, it's one of those MacGuffins where, well, what does it do? Well, it does whatever the plot, whatever we want it to do. You know, it's space magic. I mean, it would have been worse if he built him like that. Yeah, because we were just, wondering about that. Like, it, why it did he? It would have been worse because he just like he got in his car accident and like he he rebuilds him and then he tells him like, oh, you have the power to like launch all the nukes in the world. And it's yeah. like, why <laughs> would you do that to your son? <laughs> By the way, we also made you have this unstable characteristic where yeah, you could possibly destroy the entire planet. I just threw that in there. I don't know. Why. Yeah. It, He's, you know, it's like, hey, maybe instead of that, you could have made it so my dick would work. Right? Something like that? Nothing's least, ever brought up about that. No. Apparently, yeah, it's just all just, you know, I'm sure there's some kind of mechanical situation he's got going on. It's like, why do you think Cyborg's so brooding all the time? It's like, yeah, dude, you can't I, jack off. I got no dick, man. You got no dick. I, I got no dick. I can hack into all the world's supercomputers. I can pretty much access anything I want to do do yeah i love how he sees like the world of banking as like comical piles of money next to people's pictures <laughs> right it's just <laughs> it's very uh watchdogs very watchdogs yeah so yeah he's off hacking the planet and paying off people's gofundme bills and he's just generally being a good guy i guess but he's conflicted about it he's conflicted yes. about why yeah. why am i helping anyone so the first part of the so the first part of the the film is essentially we're just getting introduced to all the characters, the different uh, avenues that they've gone down, and I find it really interesting, like the uh, inclusion of the Flash. Like the Flash, I want to talk about the Flash for a second. Yeah, we should get into Flash. Uh, man, what was it that they? We need to talk about Kevin, the Flash. Um, so did. They paid Josh Whedon, like, millions of dollars to write that dude's lines, right? Oh, yeah. They had, uh, they paid Zach's, uh, sorry, um, Josh Whedon an enormous enormous amount of money. Like, like, eight or nine million dollars or something like that. Yeah, to write his snarky, clever comeback lines, like, huh, huh, well... That just happened. Uh, so he's the bad guy, right? Three hundred thousand. I'm really a fan of being alive, so it would be best. Five hundred thousand dollars, right there. Bam, charge it. The comic relief situation in this this movie is so fucking bad. I hate every scene that the Flash is in. It's somehow, but it's interesting because I'm in this comparison mode where I go, it's so much worse in the Whedon version. Oh, I bet. Everything. The only thing that I that I thought thought looked all right in the Whedon version was that the colors were fixed and the aspect ratio is fixed. Sure. Yeah. That's about it. I'm just saying, there's so many more cringeworthy lines with the Flash and every other character. Everybody just talks like a moron. Uh, well, they talk like a Joss Whedon character. Yeah. That's that's it. He only has one way of writing anyone. He's kind of like an Aaron Sorkin of kind of person where. He thinks in his mind that this is how people talk or should talk. Yeah. Everybody's always making well, clever he, comebacks to each other he, nonstop. Like all of his characters, like, they can't just be in the moment. They got to like not quite break the fourth wall, but they got to like be the fish out of water character that is like, oh, I've, I'm, I'm a real person. I'm not like this. I'm not an actual character in a movie. I'm acting like what a real person would say. Mm-hmm. in this situation and that's how we relate to the audience so the and, way yeah, yeah. And, and nobody talks like that 
The way that we're introduced to the Flash's backstory is we have the character visiting his father who's in prison for something. I forget why. I think it was like raping and murdering his wife. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to assume like one of the worst things. Yeah, it was like a head of a child pornography ring or and something. He's like, like "Dad, that. I'm going to get you out of here. Don't I'm going to I'm I'm going to school and I'm I'm getting jobs and I'm making money." And he's like, don't waste your life doing that, son. You're so much better than that. And I'm just thinking, that's such a weird thing for a father to it say was, to his son. There was, like, no reason for his dad to be in prison. Yeah. Like, his character and everything, like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, the way he was acting is that his dad, what his character was, was, like, a business executive that doesn't pay attention to his son. Right. That's that's what it, the character is. It's somebody who's too busy uh, to parent their kid, who's always doing busy, busy man things, and he can't be a dad. So he's just telling his son these like kind of throwaway father advice lines. You know, just like come talk to me when you're like successful situation. Yeah, which is fine. That's an okay character to have in a movie. Sure. But why is him being in prison? It made no it, like with how he was, his, the personality of the character. It made zero sense. So he's so the Flash is going. Oh, don't worry, I'm I'm going to go to law school and I'll learn the legal system and figure out a way to get you out of here. And I'm just thinking, aren't you the Flash? Can't you just use your powers to bust him out of jail? Uh, also, you can like, literally move faster than the speed of light. This guy, like, obviously, I, oh, oh, so you're just, all the lawyers that he had are just wrong. I guess. Like, the, everybody's wrong. Like, you're, you, you dumbass fucking, what's his name? Uh, Evan Enzo. What's his name? The, the, the actor. Uh, Ezra Miller. Ezra Miller. Um, so Ezra Miller is, is, is smarter than all these other lawyers. And he's going to get his dad out of jail just by learning law. It's just, yeah. I don't know, it just seems like something like a fucking autistic kid would say. <laughs> I don't know, it's just like, what the hell? Why is everybody in this fucking movie have like a learning disability? I don't understand it. I'm just saying, use your freaking flash powers, dude. You seem to use them all the time, unnecessarily at some points. Like, there's a, there's a scene, I think it, uh, it was in like part four. Oh, by the way, this movie's divided into like six parts that... Uh, it's, it's bathroom breaks. It's bathroom breaks. It's all it is. It's sort of like eh, there's no other reason why. Kind of a mini series. It's not like they have like here. a theme or it's not like there's these like you know conclusions. There's not these like arcs or anything. It's just bathroom breaks. Like there's a scene where they're all just kind of talking to each other at the in this one base location, and for some reason the Flash is like flashing his way to other parts of the of the room. Yeah. Just for, like, no real... It's like, did he really have to... Like, they could have added... With that, like, they could have shown, like, Bruce Wayne getting, like, annoyed with him or something. Mm -hmm. And that could have maybe added to the scene a bit. But they just... You know, it was just there. It was just whatever. We're just... You got you got to show him doing stuff. Yeah. You got to show him doing superhero things. Because, like, in every single superhero movie, you got to have them busting up easy shit. You got to have them busting down, like, street criminals. To show them do their their their, and then they got the main villain that takes them longer to defeat. Yeah, but in the meantime, you got to show them doing as much superhero stuff as possible because that's all these fucking children want to see. Got to save, you got to show them saving this cute girl from a car accident. Yeah. A lot of car accidents in this movie. Oh yeah, there are a lot of car accidents. <laughs> a lot of bad drivers over there in Gotham or whatever. <laughs> there was like a boat accident with Aquaman. Was there? A, 
all that was missing was like a plane accident. Yeah, no planes went down, I don't think. No planes went down. They could have had Wonder Woman have her invisible jet go down. Oh, yeah. They didn't even have an invisible jet in this one. Maybe that's in the like Snyder extra double cut. <laughs> the double stuffed Justice League. It's eight hours long. So I think we've pretty much gone through part up to part four. I want to say. Yeah, so Ben Affleck goes around and, like, does the most cliche thing ever where he just, like, he has to assemble a team uh, begrudgingly. He does not... He would much rather just be at home watching, like, UFC or something like that. Mm -hmm. He would much rather be doing anything else other than doing this movie. But he goes around and he has to do that thing where he goes into a new place to find a new character and they have to go, like, the thing from Rick and Morty, like, you son of a bitch. Yeah, that's pretty much what he does. It, the movie starts that way, and it just kind of keeps going that because the movie opens with him finding and Aquaman. A- Amy, and then... a- Amy Adams is just doing stuff. Amy oh, yeah. Ad- Amy, Ad- Amy Adams is, like, just drinking tea. Yeah, uh, uh, Lois Lane, right. There's a scene in this uh, with uh, Lois Lane, Amy Adams' character, um, that really, I think, sums up the entire movie. Clark Kent's mom comes by mm-hmm. Lois Lane's apartment and tells her, like, you know, you got to move on. And it's actually this pretty good scene. Yeah. It's actually a really decent scene between the two. It's, it makes sense, um, you know, because the mother is like, look, like, I'm his mom and I'm moving on. You know what I mean? Like, I'm strong. I'm moving on. She's inspiring Lois Lane to move on as well. Mm-hmm. You know? She's trying to lead by example and show that, like, you know, you can still, you can get through this. You can... Um, you know, you should go back to work. You should go on with your life, do all this stuff. And it's this really actually kind of touching scene. And it's completely fucking upended. At the very, very end, uh, Superman's mom leaves the apartment, closes the door, and it turns out that she was like fucking Martian manhunter the entire time. Like her eyes start glowing red. Yeah. And I was like, oh, of course. Like we couldn't just have that scene. We couldn't just have, like, a a normal fucking scene that made sense, that there was acting involved, that there was a script involved, that it was shot okay, that the the frame wasn't all fucked up. Like, there was just... We couldn't just have one nice thing. It had to be ruined by this character that shows up one fucking time, like, for the rest of the movie, one extra time, and at the very end to just say, hey, uh, can I be in the next movie? And Ben Affleck's like looking like he just, you know, finished filming this movie two years ago and he had to come back two years later for like this one scene reshoot situation. He looks completely different. He's all fat. I mean, he's fat throughout the whole movie, but he's extra fat and bloated in this one. And he just says like, yeah, sure. And the movie fucking ends. Yeah. Well, after that scene with uh, Superman's mom or, or, or Martha and Lois Lane. Martha. That's what it was, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, all right, cool, we're going to do that. And then there's this little scene where Lois is going getting Starbucks, and then the, the rest of the Justice League guys are going, all right, we got to get Superman back because we can't do shit without Superman. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Uh, oh, no. The, the, the actual superheroes themselves are pretty much useless. Superman has to do everything. Yeah, Superman so, is like so unbelievably far more powerful than every other character in this this entire situation. It's so hilarious. My, Batman has nothing to do. One of the few scenes I actually like in this movie is the part where they bring Superman back to life and he's all angry and confused. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's just like fuck 
all of you. That was actually my favorite scene was a scene that 100% there's uh, the consensus across the whole internet is that the scene was completely unnecessary. It made <laughs> no sense whatsoever. Like you don't have to have Superman just like fight them for no reason. You know, he was all confused. Is he really like confused enough to just like fully use all of his powers? He doesn't recognize anybody. It's so ridiculous. But we did get a sweet scene of Superman just beating up these annoying people. It just showed like how much stronger he was yeah. than all of them. They were all trying to throw it at but they weren't trying to hurt him, but they were trying to kind of snap him out of it. Yeah. Going, like, they couldn't do anything. They couldn't do anything. And it's only until Lois shows up that he's kind of snaps out of it because she pleads with him and goes like, you're not like this. You know, you remember me, right? And he's like, oh, oh, yeah. Right. All right. Sorry. That's my bitch. Yeah. Sorry about all that. <laughs> yeah. It's it's hilarious. Like, I love I love at the very the final fight at the end when they're fighting uh, Steppenwolf and like Batman really doesn't have anything to do, so he kind of just like runs around with a gun, like shooting minions in the back. <laughs> yeah, he has his little turret gun. Yeah. And he's just like all right. <laughs> like he's really he's literally he's not doing anything. Like <laughs> the only ones who do anything at the end. Well, obviously Superman. He beats the shit out of Steppenwolf. He's just Dragon Ball Z punching him. Yeah. And then uh, Wonder Woman cuts his head off. <laughs> I love <laughs> Like, he's already dead. He's just going through the portal or whatever. <laughs> and he cuts his head off. It I just do reminded like... me of a, uh, like a D&D encounter where it's yeah like, everybody's got to get in on all it all right jordan your character all right you kill you kill him how do you do it well what i do is i pull out my frost battle axe <laughs> and i ram it against him until uh, it dislodges his i use neck all and, my athleticism to like leap in the air and cut his head off midair and it's all in slow motion and cool blah. yeah slow motion is so lame slow motion sucks so much it's like it's the only thing I didn't like about the Judge Dredd movie. Oh, Judge Dredd, Dredd! You mean the Dread? Yeah, Dredd. Dredd is awesome. It's a great. Gr that's how honestly action movies should be done. It was just it was so stupid. They had to invent this whole fuck like a drug that caused slow motion. This is the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> it was literally called slow mo, and, right? And it's just slow motion. Like, when are we gonna be done with this crap? Because it's so dumb. It's like how do we make a scene last ten extra minutes? Yeah, well, that's kind of a joke you can make about this movie. It was like, well, it's four hours, but you could also watch it on, like, two times speed. Yeah. And it's the length of a regular movie. And to be fair, as far as, like, the Snyder tropes go, I expected more than what actually was there. There's plenty of slow motion I'm sure there was more. But I, I felt like it, it's not like there was no restraint whatsoever. Uh, no, there was a little bit more. It was. It, it's kind of ironic that every single scene with the Flash was in, like, slow motion. Yeah, because they could only portray his speed in slow motion because it's too fast to capture in on film. Or I don't know exactly where they were going with that, but the the effects weren't really impressive. In oh no, the way. effects were terrible. I watched uh, Kong versus Godzilla, and the effects in that looked awesome. They looked really good. Uh, the the CGI in this in the Justice League movie is garbage. Yeah, it's 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 kind of a shame because. They had so much more time and, and money thrown at this project. They had an extra somewhere between like 30 and $70 million. Everything looks like a early PlayStation 4 cutscene. And I bet a lot of the artists who were working on this, all the CGRs were like so sick of this. They're like, oh, we got to do this. Yeah. I got to work on this again. Well, if you look at the behind the scenes, like every single scene is saturated with it. 
Like yeah. every single scene is shot in front of like a giant green screen. Yeah, like, the behind studio. the scenes, they're like, "Oh, we're so cool. We're, it's so great to be back on set again." And it's like, "What's the set? The set is this one room, a warehouse with a it's giant green one screen warehouse everywhere. with yeah, it's one warehouse with a big green screen in it, and that's it. Like that's just how like sterilized movies have become. It's just there's nothing about that that would make me excited about filmmaking. No. No, no, not whatsoever. That's why everybody's like learn to code because that's what movies are too. Yeah, like, if you want to, it, <laughs> it just makes me sad, dude. It's terribly depressing. <laughs> like watching these things get made is just soul wrenching. Really, I mean, there's no thought. There's no location. I mean, maybe there there was a few probably location shots or scenes in this, but you know, maybe during the Amazonian stuff. Yeah, there might have been a couple. Of, I don't know for sure. I'd have to look into it, but. For the most part, everything is done completely digitally. Mm-hmm. It just looks like that. It feels like that. The actors feel like they're standing in a warehouse. You know, most of these scenes are just people standing in front of directly in front of each other and talking. It also limits the amount of interactivity the actors can even do because, like with Wonder Woman, for instance, you know, you got Gal Gadot. She's supposed to be doing this action and movement and everything but she doesn't really get to do much her her if you were to sum up like what she does as a uh, an action star it's like i'm gonna stand here and like kind of do a pose and look determined and the editors and cg artists are just gonna do the rest i just gotta do this yeah you gotta hold your hands out in front of you and then like they'll edit in a fucking kamehameha wave yeah and I just kind of have to kind of pretend I'm doing something if it, I have nothing really. In, I thought they did it. Like I said, I was with. talking about it before, but I thought they did a good job with her in that first scene that she was in. But after that, True. she yeah. really didn't like do anything else. Like she kind of just got her ass kicked throughout the rest of the film. Yeah. Like everybody else kind of got their ass kicked throughout the rest of the film. And there just wasn't much really. I don't know. I just they felt so like neutered. Mm-hmm. Every, everything felt so neutered like for the uh the heroes themselves like they i felt like they were so underpowered they couldn't really do anything yeah yeah you know well it was also hard to really tell what everybody's power levels so to speak even were it was so varied i mean that's the one thing the about only one the, the only marvel one i movies. really understood was superman yeah well that's, i think that's the thing that the marvel movies have over dc is that i feel like the avengers are a little more equal Except for the guy, there's like a bow and arrow guy, and then there's like Scarlett Johansson, who's just a girl with a gun. Black Widow. She's she's, she's good at being a spy. She's good at like having a gun. She's good at yeah. <laughs> she's good at wearing tight suits and having guns. Like that's about it. She can do like a little bit of kung fu, but that's. A, but other than that, she's just like a person. Yeah, I mean, she's that's, not like an alien or a god. No, or someone with like a mech suit, like Iron Man. No, and I mean, like, you know, I'm sure she she does her own thing, and like that that's fine, you know. But it's a little more balanced though, overall, I think, in Marvel than it is in DC, because DC is just like if Superman's around, that's all you need. I feel like the DC movies feel they feel like a little bit more fantasy magic than the Marvel ones do. If I were to compare, yeah, definitely, because uh, the Marvel ones are like, oh, this guy got his powers from like a fucking science experiment gone wrong. Yeah, and uh, he fell into a vat of acid. <laughs> yeah, everybody falls into a vat of acid, and you either become a villain or a superhero, one of the two. Yeah, that's and, what happens to. Every, well, actually, no, I get that wrong. That's like every DC villain. What? How did the Joker become? Oh, he fell into a vat of acid. What happened to Mister Freeze? Oh, he he got frozen into a a, a, a vat of 
cold frozen, acid. Frozen cold, cold, cold acid. acid. Yeah. And he's like, oh, no, I've become evil. <laughs> or at least that was his backstory in Batman I think Poison and Poison Ivy got hit by acid or she something. She fell into like a, a, a lab of, or like she fell into a bunch of like vials and beakers full of like different kinds of acid. Different kinds of chemicals and stuff. Yeah. And then like now I'm poison. I it didn't kill me, so now the I'm the penguin a... fell into like penguin acid or something. <laughs> 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 and you, you just kind of see uh, that kind of hits it on the head right there, where it's just like you have to realize that the people who wrote these characters or invented these characters back in like the 30s and 40s, they weren't trying to create like this sort of modern mythology. No, that we all revere. These they were like penny char- comics. They were like penny little little fucking it was like things you find on the back of a bubblegum wrapper these guys were all like alcoholics back in the 30s who were just making a penny by the word like on on the side like they were working for like loon they were working for warner brothers making looney tunes cartoons and then they would go and make these superhero stuff like it wasn't meant to be this like modern like it wasn't supposed to have this like magnum opus like odyssey level of mythology and storytelling like it wasn't meant to have any of this it, it's so goofy when you try to inject that into it right and that's the thing about how everything is interpreted nowadays is because these superhero comic book films have become the cultural uh hegemony of our time is now we got these people trying to fans of it are defending it like oh actually all these DC and Marvel cinematic universes are just as legitimate as say greek and roman mythology oh from my their God. time they have just the same amount of weight and importance as that and i'm like yeah but those were written by people who were under who were much better like they were like poets and well, the, and, the, and philosophers and a lot of those myths and stuff and those were, were like all, pretty new ideas back then well all those myths from back then they were all they're all allegories and metaphors for other stuff. Like they were meant to teach something or, or they had like a message behind them. They had a lesson. Plus everybody back in Greek and Roman times weren't always talking about how Hercules was cool. They no. were always, they had other <laughs> shit going on. No, besides. they had boys to love. <laughs> they had, they had wine with uh, lead in it to drink. They had stuff. They had to drink their lead wine and love their boys. They, they had gladiator battles to they go. They weren't see. thinking about the fucking bullshit stuff that some, some fucking guy was scribbling on the side of a cave wall. It's like, yeah. no. They weren't all geeking out about that no, one were... tale of Hercules where he did that really that thing where he was so strong that he did something that no one else could do. And... Homer came out of the fucking cave with his odyssey that he wrote, and a Spartan <laughs> warrior came up and, like, dumped his books. Like, he just, like, <laughs> fucking smacked his big scrolls that he had, a big arm full of scrolls, and he just fucking smacked them out of his hands and, like, pulled his toga up over his head. It's just kind of annoying to me because these, because our media landscape is so atros- oversaturated with this content. It used to be the case where I felt like I could opt out of it. It used to be the case where, oh, I just don't have to watch this. Yeah, stuff. that's just like one thing. Like, you don't, that's just one ass, like, that's one type of movie that exists in a field of a bunch of different types of stuff. I remember a time where every major movie coming out wasn't a Disney movie, right? And now it's. Pretty much everything, or at least anything that has any kind of like budget behind it, at least in Hollywood. And yeah, it's like every once in a while we yeah. get like a gem, you know, like we get like we mentioned the lighthouse earlier, like once in a while. Yeah, we get like the Softy Brothers doing yeah. stuff, and we get um, 
some good stuff, mostly A24. Yeah, just essentially the whole entire point of this podcast is just just watch A24 films. <laughs> is that what that's the point? Just, is? That's the whole point. Is just 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 if you're gonna watch a movie, just watch an A24 film. That's about it. That's like the only studio that decides that they're gonna put out decent stuff. I feel like they're the Olympian carrying the torch. Yeah, they're like the last bastion it. of anybody who wants to make anything interesting. I'm just I'm just saying that at least the movies they put out for the most part are interesting and unique and actually have something to say and like i said it feels uh, more like an actual like artist collective it feels more like like an actual like a studio that kind of like sets the environment for people to to do cool stuff like that like they're not trying to they're just like what do you got what's your idea you know like what is your vision like tell me like what is it and then you know if it's something interesting then they they fucking fund it yeah. You know what I mean? And it's just, it seems like more of a studio that's like, you know, that filmmakers themselves kind of made happen, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And they, it wasn't like created by Coca-Cola, <laughs> you know? Like it wasn't fucking McDonald's presents fucking Justice League. They weren't, they weren't. It wasn't uh, Starbucks sponsored, fucking putting Justice League on their cups. They weren't funded or sponsored by like the CIA and the military. Yeah. <laughs> because that's the feeling I get when I watch a lot of these movies. I feel like I'm watching an algorithm just sort of play itself out on screen. Yeah, it's like it's like piecing together the movie as you're watching it. And I get the sense that based on your YouTube history. And I feel like uh, also at the end of the day all these films are like completely morally bankrupt and have really nothing to really offer in terms of any kind of meaningful moral message besides you know, some people or some things are just bad and we should kill them. And once they're dead, things are going to be okay again. They're also acting like these superhero characters are like these extremely complex, like like deep, like in-depth characters that need to be explored to understand. And we get, you know, drunken Hawaiian guy who just can't fucking chill and then we get fat Batman who doesn't want to be there. We get a uh, weird Israeli girl. We get <laughs> IDF girl, IDF girl with no fucking personality. She's just, she's seen too much death. Her and personality is she, she's really beautiful. She's really hot. And we get snarky fucking annoying kid. It's just, we don't get anybody that's like, has anything to offer. And all the lines are just very stock. Like I was trying to find like the most memorable quotes from this movie, and they're all just hero quotes. A lot of stuff that's been repeated. There's not even really much th- of that either. It's like there's not much of like because usually these movies mm. are like they're trying to they're trying to it's some sort of metaphor, some sort of like they're trying to say something because like back in the day, Captain America was a guy that fought the Nazis, right? So he was literally like a propaganda character. He was created out of a demand for it was a mor- for, it was a morale uh, anti-Nazi uh, propaganda. He, yeah, he was there. He was there to support the war effort. Yeah, so he had a specific purpose. Yeah, it, it makes what, sense. You know, it made total sense. It's not great. Uh, you know, like propaganda is never good, but um, you know, in that sense, there was a clear uh, line between good and evil, and he was just somebody that helped champion the cause. And now it's like I just feel like these characters have no point in the current world mm-hmm. like they just exist in this world where they just don't have anything to do anymore there's no we don't need superheroes
I have this idea that a lot of these movies and this Justice League movie in particular is that overwhelming their their uh, uh, message is kind of conservative. And Zack Snyder fans <laughs> in general kind of lean this way. Do they? Oh, yeah. I looked at like stuff they were talking about, like on, on Twitter and whatnot. A lot of the stuff, a lot of the um, subtext in a lot of the Zack Snyder movies, it's very like Ayn Randian. It's uh... very, it's very objectivist. It's very, there's people or certain beings that are meant to be better than us. And we should just let them do that. And like, that's just the natural order of the world is that there's just, there are just beings that are above us. Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's kind of like in the, in that sort of Lord of the Rings style flashback that was in this movie that was, you know, okay. being narrated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where I found it kind of interesting that all these different types of teams and forces that were coming here weren't really doing it because they had some sort of official alliance. Like they actually like agreed to work together. It no, was yeah, more... it was like uh, it was like an ultimatum kind of thing where like we they had to or else they were all gonna die. Yeah, so they weren't uniting the world under a common goal. They just saw like a threat. So the select group of special individuals were there to to basically just save the day. And that's the thing. Like Zack Snyder doesn't care about regular people. The only characters he cares about are like gods and like billionaires and that's about it yeah can, can we talk we're, we're, we're running long here can we sure. can we talk about the fucking weird post-credits scene oh yeah so after the movie ends after steppenwolf gets decapitated there's uh, about another hour of this movie uh in an epilogue sequence uh which i believe is called well i remember the first time I heard the title, I think it was called like something darker or epilogue. Cause it was one of those things where the care, one of the characters actually says the title or the subtitle of the part where it's one of those things. Oh, like, he, oh, you said it. Oh, you said it. You know, like this truly is a hunt for red October. <laughs> <laughs> we are engaging in top gun. It will be a deep impact. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a real Armageddon, Mr. President. <laughs> yeah, so we get this epilogue sequence. It's like the extended edition Return of the King, uh, Lord of the Rings movie, yeah. where it has like 45 minutes of just yeah, ending. Me getting up in the theater six times. Slowly watching that boat set <laughs> sail. In All slow right, that was good. Oh, fuck, man, there's more. So, yeah, we get this. So we get all this extra stuff thrown in. There's a scene that takes place over on Lex Luthor's yacht. The only real time we see him in this movie. Jesse Eisenberg sucks so much. Bald Jesse, even worse, bald Jesse. He Eisenberg. looks so bad. I mean, come on, can we get? I just, I don't know. When I think of Lex Luthor, I think of the uh, dude from the Batman animated series. Yeah, the big guy. The big guy. Right. He kind of had like a. He was sort of. I think he was like. Uh, he was like half black or something. It's kind of, or he was like a black guy, kind of. And Something like that. Yeah. He was, uh, I don't know, he just kind of had this, like, cool, he was a big, intimidating guy. Like, he just he just kind of fit that part, you know? And then what we get is we get this, like, fucking pale, skinny, little, fucking wet, cum-soaked sock of Jesse Eisenberg. I don't know, man. I can't. He doesn't even look good in a suit. You see a lot more of him in the Batman vs. Superman. He doesn't even look good in a suit. He looks like 
he was born with some kind of weird like Benjamin Button disease. <sighs> and he's just insufferable. Everything he says, he's always he always talks in. He riddles. has like the he high always, pitch villain voice. He's like, Haha, well, you see, blah blah blah. blah. He, he just has that sort of tone to his voice that just makes everything he says just it's just incredibly annoying. And it's like some faggy lord kind of has like this, <laughs> you know, sort of like floofy sort of yeah kind of fucking voice to him. So this one guy, this guy with this eye patch, who I believe is this character called Darkseid, you know, Dan Crenshaw comes up onto the boat. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I got a score to settle. He's like, oh, well, it happens I have a score to settle as well. Perhaps we could work together. Enjoy this nice glass of very expensive Chardonnay while we talk. <laughs> and uh, that scene happens. And then we get to um, this dream sequence or nightmare sequence where it's sort of set like in the apocalypse. And you got... You got Batman there, and you got what's her name from Aquaman? The the Amber Heard, Amber Heard, yeah. Um, Talking in a British accent for some reason. So funny, like they made her like. I'll make you pay for what you did to Harry or whatever, (laughs) Alfred. (laughs) Like what? God, stop! It's so funny. Like they made they like CGI'd her boobs bigger. They pushed him up pretty good. They pushed him up into her fucking throat. That was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> so he got this sort of, and then like Darkseid is there and they're all just kind of there. The jokester, the Jared Leto character Ugh. shows up and he just in the background, he's like, <laughs> like a, sounds like a dog with like Tourette's and Asperger's or something. I don't understand. And he's just repeating dialogue that, from the Dark Knight, like the Heath Ledger, he's like, "You see, Batman, we're actually we need we need each other." That's the problem. Is that Heath Ledger? You know, I've said that I said this during our Nolan episode. Is that the whole Heath Ledger Joker? It's the best thing that has ever happened in a Nolan movie ever, yeah. and it's also the best because Heath Ledger is one of the greatest actors of all time. Of course, it's going to be good. He made that entire film. He put that entire film on his back. And, and made it watchable. And yeah. ever since then, every that's the entire reason why we have so much Joker is because of how good he played the Joker and how good that character was, is that you now you just have co- people thinking that they can just emulate that. Yeah. And it doesn't work. It's not the same. It's never going to be the same. And I actually love that. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love how every single iteration of the Joker after that is just dog shit. <laughs> yeah, it's just... It's just become this thing where everybody gets super excited when the Joker appears. Because they on think screen. that that's what they're going to get. They think they're going to get the Heath Ledger Joker again, and it's not going to happen. They think they're going to get this profound villainy. And, you know, and even more so because we had the, the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie. Yeah. It came out, which was the a, Joker, baby. A, which was, to be fair, a really great performance because Joaquin Phoenix is an amazing actor. Yeah. And he's going to do a good job. You throw him any role, yeah. he's going to kill it. But unfortunately, it's it's all surrounded by this very mediocre Todd Phillips movie. Yeah. So there's this level of disconnect when I watched it. I'm like, well, Walking Phoenix is really good in this, but I, this movie's kind of lame. It sucks that you don't care. I don't know why everybody loves <laughs> it so much. It sucks that you don't care about anything that happens in it. <laughs> so yeah, we get this dream sequence that goes on for about 10 or 15 minutes. And they talk about literally nothing. Oh, no. It's like, <laughs> it's so weird. Like, I, I was like turning to you because I was like, is this like something that was in the 
earlier movies? Like, was this a thing? Like, is this a continuation of another kind of after credits plot that they've been doing? They even hyped up this scene in the trailer for the Snyder Cut by showing a portion of this scene because people were like, oh, people are going to want to see the Joker. That's going to get everybody to fucking blow their wad on this. And they even had a line in the trailer, which is not in this, which I thought was interesting, where they actually have the Joker say, we live in a society, which has become this sort of meme about... We live in 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 a society. Yes. This says a lot about society and, and so on. Right. But uh, that's pretty much the movie. Good God. Whew. Yeah. Uh, I'm really glad to have this out of my brain. Yeah. You know, I was really sick last week. So, I mean, I was, <laughs> I thought I was dying. Uh, no COVID. Totally fine. Uh, it turned out to be a sinus infection. Uh, but... You know, as I was sitting there feeling like my brain was cooking inside my own head for about a week, uh, I had to think about the fucking Snyder Cut, and it didn't help. I feel like I was sick longer. Yeah, I feel like I was sick longer thinking about this. (laughs) I think it added like two or three days of me having to chug Dayquil. Well, there's something to be said about your... uh what's going on mentally can affect you physically when you're sick, right? Right, yeah. It's like all your defenses are down. Yeah. You know, all your immune system's lower, you know, you're trying to fight off an infection or something and, and whatever stress you got going on just doesn't help. You know, when you are confronted with something to think about, which contains no real laughter, a real levity to it, it's really hard to cope, you know, like Patch Adams. Well, I watched Kong versus Godzilla and that, that kind of washed the, the sure. bad taste out of my mouth because, you know, it's like, this is how you make a good, bad action movie. There was actually a period of time after watching this uh, this Justice League Snyder Cut where I was just like, do I just not like movies? Is, is there just something in me that's just... I feel like... Are you are, like so, so jaded that you just can't even enjoy stuff that's supposed to be bad and it was fun? A level, it was a certain level of frustration where I was just thinking, there's so many people who are getting so much out of this movie and... I'm so not. much joy and and uh, just really like you know, like for example, the the fans of this movie like literally brought it into reality, brought it into existence. Justice League came out and they found out that there was or that Zack Snyder wanted to do something else, and so they essentially petitioned the studio to release it, and they made it happen. So like hats off to them. They they pestered and complained and sat on hold and protested until uh, they got what they wanted. It's great how like, you know, you can protest to get a shitty movie put out, but you can't protest to get police to stop shooting people. Right. Huh. I guess I guess I guess we live in a society or for people to have more job security yeah. or better wages. You can't get that through a protest, but you can get some like, you know, capsule of liquid diarrhea shot out from the back of a 10-year-old with Asperger's. You can get a pointless piece of pop culture fiction uh, to get made in a slightly better way than it was before yeah. <laughs> with a fresh coat of paint. I will say, <laughs> from what I have seen from the Josh Whedon cut, this is a better movie. Yeah, and you know... Because the other yeah. one, like, at least Steppenwolf looks better in this. Because holy shit, 
Man, he looks like a fucking... The other one looks like a Power Rangers episode. He looks like a villain. Like, he looks like he should be standing next to Rita Repulsa. I could totally see that. Like, it looks so bad. It's just a dude in a really bad costume. (laughs) Right. And, you know, despite all my misgivings, all of our misgivings about this film in general... I kind of, I kind of felt, I kind of find myself rooting for this film's existence. Oh yeah, you yeah, know? sure, absolutely, because it's, it's one of those things where you're, just, it's just another nail in the coffin. And it's just kind of funny that you mentioned Kong vs. Godzilla because I really enjoyed that too, and it kind of made me realize, oh yeah, I can still enjoy movies. Yeah, and um, it was a perfect like turn off your brain, just have a fun time. Like I, had, I felt the same way about the previous godzilla movie that came out you know it's like that's how you do it i thought it was very interesting how um you know a movie that is entirely marketed towards china they chose hong kong as a place that they're going to (laughs) destroy that was funny Uh, (laughs) but i was really obvious there (laughs) i feel like with the uh, uh the godzilla king kong that whole monster verse or whatever they call it i feel like that was done right because it's a lot more fun than whatever this horse shit is I, li- I enjoyed all the movies, but I also like how you get like a little bit of a break in between each one. Yeah. It would be a lot different if we were just getting nonstop Godzilla, King Kong movies coming out every yeah, it year. Yeah, w- it would ruin. It would we have a done. Disney Plus show about We've Kong. had like, what, we got three? If you count Kong Skull Island, I think we've had like three there's movies. There's been four movies since 2014, so there's like two years in between each one. Right, okay, because there was a... Uh... Oh, yeah, because there was a King Kong standalone, Godzilla standalone, then Godzilla versus all the monsters, and then this one. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. That's fine. That's fine. It makes perfect sense. He gets his own. He gets his own. There's one where they all fight, and then there's one where these two fight. Yeah. Great. And I just find it kind of funny because one thing I was thinking about, this is kind of how I want to close this out, is the implication of giving the fans what they want and our we going to get more stuff like this? And is that Probably. a good idea? Because no. there's, there's actually a petition. <laughs> it's so funny. There's actually, speaking of Kong versus Godzilla, or Godzilla versus Kong, there's actually uh, like an online movement now to get a director's like unedited cut of that movie because I guess the director of that movie was saying that uh, a lot of stuff he shot for this was cut because that's completely manufactured because the studio it's all because of this it's all because of the snyder cut this is going to happen so many times because now it's like oh we can release a movie right make a bunch of money off of it and then just like put it out there that there's maybe there's this other one and you can get all these fucking man children and all these fucking horrible douchebags to go online and like literally take time out of their life to write a fucking tweet while taking a shit about how they want to, the, how they want this other movie to come out, eventually get it come out, p- buy another ticket to see the new one, which is the exact same movie but just slightly different, and they can make all their money all over again. It's perfect. It's Contains. the same thing. Yeah, it's the same thing as like right now. Uh, so like, there's supposed to be a new uh, Battlefield game coming out sometime next year, and like every single time there's a new big video game, there's always like, oh, today there's a leak. To, there, they, there's a leak and it's detailing about what all of the maps are going to look like and what all oh, like this is a gun from the game and blah, blah blah it's like there's no fucking leaks this is a marketing ploy all it is is marketing all it is is like enticing people to think that there's the, the, this is such a huge crazy project 
that there's leaks about it and oh there's somebody on the inside feeding information like no there's not the studio is specifically doing this well because all the geeks are these you know they're these little piggies and they want their slop they yeah, want their they just, slop just fed to them a bucket of fucking garbage poured out onto the ground and they'll just keep eating it up you know yeah it's it's disgusting really <laughs> <laughs> they're disgusting people <laughs> one thing i will say about this movie at least that's a positive thing is like this is it there's not gonna be any more justice league i thought this. it was a fitting end of them all standing there on top of the thing like the dumbest shot i've ever seen mm-hmm. of, of just like <laughs> It, it was weird. It was like they all just like stood there in a line like they were posing in front of a fucking Comic-Con thing. Mm-hmm. Like there's like like, you know, that banner that has all like the Comic-Con logo written like a million times on like the red carpet or something. It's like they're all standing in front of it, getting their picture taken. They're standing. It, it's just it's just like it looked like a cast photo on top of the fucking reactor. And that's how he decided to end his movie. It was the dumbest fucking thing. Yeah, it looked like an Alex Ross painting. It was so, and... so childish. Yeah, just hero shots. It was so childish. <laughs> it's like a child standing all of his action figures up on the side of the bathtub. <laughs> you know, it was just... So... <laughs> it's like a fucking five-year-old. <laughs> but look... That's what the fans wanted, and now they got it, and now I kind of like how the fans don't really know what to do anymore. No, no, oh, no, I want to encourage them. I want them to continue to do this. I think this is funny. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, shoot, we're not used to getting what we want. Yeah. Now that we got get what we more. want. Get more. Uh, let's get a director's cut of Ant-Man. Yeah, yeah. Let's get a... <laughs> That's what we need. Yeah, you know, let's get a director's cut of the Black Widow movie. That still hasn't come out. Oh, well, let's get the director's cut first. Right. Yeah, let's release two versions of it. <laughs> there you go. At the same time. There you go. You got to see both because there's one scene that's different and you got to find which one it is, but you got to pay for full price for both movies. Which one has... I wish I was it? an executive. Yeah. I wish I was. It would be so easy. It would be so easy. It's the easiest job. Are you kidding me? The, it's, uh, the bar is so low. Dude, all you gotta do is like look at stuff and figure out how to add synergy to it and how to rostify things by twenty five percent or so. Yeah, uh, teamize it. <laughs> I feel like we should put more him more of a surfer kind of content. Yeah, yeah, ten percent more surfer. Yeah, I mean, more right. attitude. All right, I think that's gonna do it for here, uh, here, here for us for here in, inside this studio. Is that our podcast studio it's inside of our uh, King Ghidorah skull? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that we Instead of our King Door Skull slash Bat Cave. Slash Bat Cave that we record in. Slash Mother Base. Yeah. You can find us on Spotify. Uh, we got a YouTube channel going right now. We are on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts as well, I believe. Yes. If you want to write into us, uh, go ahead. Hit us up. We would love to hear from you. Yeah, that would be at uh, hacksawpodcast at gmail.com. So thanks for listening to us. Uh, we hope to do what well, we're going to do more episodes very soon. Some probably some more special episodes as well, like this one. We're going to think in like every other one or so. We'll try to do something that's like current right now. Something that's in vogue. Yeah, we've got to see what's happening, you know, what's, what's happening in the streets. What's going down in the underground. <laughs> Manchester. we got to watch Jason Statham's new movie. Oh yeah, Wrath of Man. Absolutely. Reunited with Guy Ritchie again. Dude, that's gonna so. that's gonna rule. Anyways, you guys have a good one. Yep, see you next time. <laughs>